You're listening to the Science Circle Podcast. It's a nonprofit program serving a global alliance of scientists, educators, students, and you. Welcome. Our guest today is Dr. Michael Shaw, a distinguished professor of fields in chemistry. He was born in Quebec, Canada, and has a PhD specializing in inorganic chemistry from the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, one of the world's most beautiful cities, I think. He did postdoctoral research at the University of Vermont, and for the last two decades, he has taught and researched at Southern Illinois University in Edwardsville, where he now holds the position of Distinguished Research Professor. That's not an easy rank to achieve. He is also on the Board of Directors for the Science Circle, and he joins us now. Mike, it's a pleasure to have you on the line today. And it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, Thank you for coming. Uh, We've had podcast guests from other Science Circle presentations. You are certainly one of the most frequent presenters. Let's look at some of the topics uh, you've covered in recent presentations, including advances in solar cells, nitric oxide, silicon chemistry, nuclear medicine, and here's one of my favorite of your titles. It's Catalysis in Wonderland, and what a fanciful and fantastic title. Are are you hinting at something here? Are we about to step into a rabbit hole of science and into a fantasy land, or what? That's a great one to talk about. The Catalysis in Wonderland uh, one was my effort to make Um, a catchy title, and that talk um, did some double dipping. So I not only gave it um, as uh, two talks to the um, science circle, but the double dipping, um, I um, talked to, I used this material in my uh, graduate uh, inorganic class on transition metal chemistry. And I think if you talk to those students, they would definitely classify it as a trip through the looking glass because that kind of chemistry, the low oxidation state transition metal chemistry, you can make carbon sit up and beg and do things that the general orgo classes that you get in your second year of college just don't let you think happen. So, you know, like six things attached to carbon instead of the four. I I literally had a student sitting under a desk at one time um, because he had been so freaked out by the stuff that was going on in my course. (laughs) Well, and you teach both undergrad and graduate courses, starting right with college freshmen, their first science class, possibly. It must be quite an eye-opening for them as you start delving into some of the uh, intricacies here. It is. uh, We start off gentle. Chemistry is an interesting subject philosophically because um, there's various levels of theory. And, you know, in general, if you talk um, about various levels of theory, usually people kind of talk with, oh, well, there's Newton's uh, theory of gravity, and then there's Einstein's uh, theory of gravity. And that gives you an idea of the kind of um, levels that I'm talking about, because you don't throw away Newton, because it's perfectly useful for most um, things. The freshman level, we start with fairly basic levels, basic theories of uh, science. And I think a general guideline in chemistry is that, oh, you use the minimum 
amount of theory that you need in order to be able to explain what you observe. So as a student goes from freshman all the way up to grad classes, we have to undo some of the lies that we've told them previously. <laughs> and, you know, this is, meets with consternation, but, you know, it's basically kind of a path of, you know, we keep revealing um, truths that were veiled before. Well, you talked a little bit about bringing some of the philosophy of science into your classes. I see you also bring the artistry of science into your classes. You teach an honors class in chemistry and art. How do you combine those two very different elements? There's a lot of chemistry in art. Um, one of the things I'm struck by when I visit the uh, fine arts studios we have on campus, I mean, there's a department of uh, fine arts, is just how much chemistry they do. Uh, so making a, a ceramic making a ceramic pot. I mean, what do you choose for your clay? Um, and what sort of chemistry happens in the baking process? There are chemical changes that take clay and turn it into porcelain that are temperature dependent. Uh, the slip and the um, outer coating on the uh, pot to give it that nice uh, sheen and all of the colors that are associated with that, that's all chemistry. You know, and so, um, you know, the ceramic pot Part of my class is a big chunk. I talk about pigments as well, because without pigments and paints, uh, there would be a lot less art in the world. And you've been teaching in science uh, for decades now. No doubt you've seen many changes in our understanding of chemistry. I see your current research includes the consequences of electron transfer for models of biochemically relevant inorganic compounds. That's a mouthful. What's that all about? Oh, God, yes, it is. Um, that's another rabbit hole. So um, let me, let me uh, provide some focus. Think about your blood. You have a hemoglobin, right? Yeah. And there's all sorts of there's all sorts of there's all sorts of proteins that are similar to hemoglobin, and in uh, common they have a smaller fragment lurking inside the hemoglobin. You know, like Darth Vader walking around the Death Star. The smaller fragment's called heme. It's like a little plate that's got an iron atom sitting inside. That little plate and iron atom, we can actually make. Uh, compounds that are very similar to that um, without all of the biochemical cabbage um, represented by uh, the actual enzyme. So we can actually study the actual um, active site. So we do some variations on a theme. Well, this is important work. It's been funded by the U.S. National Science Fund, the NSF, for some 10 years now. You must be earning your keep with this. After a break, let's talk a little bit more about how you bring even better scientific understanding to the world. And we'll be right back. And we're back speaking with Dr. Michael Shaw, who sometimes uses whimsy to make science friendly. Catalysis in Wonderland. What a great title. I wish I'd written that uh, presentation topic. What, what other tricks and appeals might you use, Mike, to help you connect with a sometimes reluctant audience so science might be more approachable? Okay, so one of the wonderful things about uh, Second Life, for example, and the virtual worlds in which we present is that they are 3D worlds. Um, and they are uh, multi-user. You can have a whole bunch of people in there at the same time. 
there's wonderful science resources um, already out on the internet. Um, for example, there's millions, literally millions of X-ray crystal structure data that has been uh, put in public databases. And what I mean by that is it's essentially a snapshot of what a molecule looks like. Not a cartoon that someone might draw by hand and just have the artist's conception of, but actual almost photographic quality with accurate bond distances, bond angles, and geometries. You can download these things, do a little bit of magic in programs like Blender and Unity, and upload them into Second Life, where they're objects that can be interacted with. So whenever I'm giving um, a presentation to the science circle, I always try to have crystal structures that I can just bring down. They float like, well, they look like uh, elephants because I make them that size, but they float and rotate in front of the audience and we can um, delicately point out structural features that make, sometimes make some uh, complicated scientific point intuitive well you talk about your interest in uh, 3d visualizations developing those you also have an interest in programming which makes you sort of an artist uh, in, in your own form doesn't it presenting chemistry with these visual models that people can actually uh, interact with Yes, and I got to say, there's a lot of other people out there who are much, 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 much better than I am. I'm very much a dilettante at this, but the tools have developed to the point where someone who's an educator who's got a good basic knowledge of programming and a good basic knowledge in uh, science can actually develop uh, curricular materials that are out of this world. And that's um, where we are right now, 10 years after uh, the Science Circle started and these presentations and people bring these great learning tools into virtual settings. What what do you picture even 10 years from now? What, what uh, might educators be doing to take advantage of this? Well, I think one of the things that I think one of the things that needs to happen is capacity. Um, currently on the science circle, we're um, um, having uh, very popular talks go on, and it's almost straining the capacity of uh, the sims to handle the amount of people in the audience. So we have to have capacity to handle larger audiences, and I think having um, better 3D interactivity uh, with the environment as well. Um, so, you know, you've seen things like um, the uh, Viewmaster Google um, cardboard type type things. Those are wonderful, um, except that they're still very uh, limited and still very um, early days. Um, but, you know, once you actually see the 3D aspects in 3D in, you know, as constructed by your own brain because of the goggles, uh, you know, you almost have to duck when you see one of my molecules <laughs> flying at you. And what a wonderful way to learn uh, chemistry is that uh, not only are the chemical mixes potentially dangerous, but the 3D visualizations as well. <laughs> Be sure to duck. <laughs> I forget who said it, but evidently the best demonstrations are ones in which there's a finite probability instructor uh, dying. <laughs> oh, I'm certainly looking forward to more of these uh, visits with you, uh, Mike, in the uh, weeks and months to come ahead. Our guest today 
for this episode of the Science Circle was Dr. Michael Shaw. You can find his presentations on the Science Circle Island in Second Life. Just teleport in and search around. Or you can find links to his presentation videos on the Science Circle website. That's sciencecircle.org. And you can see some of his Science Circle presentations on YouTube. Just search for the Science Circle channel on YouTube and find the many topics posted there by Dr. Michael Schopp. It's been a pleasure talking with you today. Thank you, Mike. And with you, thank you for having me. We'll be right back. The Science Circle is a nonprofit program based in the Netherlands with a recording studio here in Southern California. For more information on this podcast and other Science Circle programs, please visit sciencecircle.org. That's sciencecircle.org. This podcast is under Creative Commons license and is freely available for educational use. Until the next time, I'm your host, Stephen Van Hook. Be well.